Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to episode eight of Simply Ambivalent. I am your host, Arkea. Today's episode is going to be part two of the Pamela Hub series. You can always find today's episode on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, or you can always follow me on Instagram at Simply Ambivalent. That is S-I-M-P-L-Y underscore A-M-B-I-V-A-L-E-N-T. Now let's please dive into another simple story and before we get into the simple story you guys please give a round of applause to this beautiful piece of equipment this new equipment that i have hopefully you guys can tell the difference with this microphone versus my phone which is what i was using before but you know guys we are slowly upgrading so (laughs) um but anyways yeah let's dive into this next simple part of the story which like we always know it's never always simple Okay, you guys, so let's start off from where we stopped in part one. Pam was giving us a description of how Betsy's house had looked that night. Uh, Apparently, she knew this, and from the last episode, I forgot to mention this. She knew this because she had just dropped Betsy off. So, this is how she knew all that information and how her house looked creepy and dark. Which, in my opinion, is just an interesting choice of words to say that the house looked creepy. Um, and that it looked dark, but hey, uh, Pam would go on to say that, um, when Betsy and her had arrived back at Betsy's house, Betsy didn't have her keys because her husband, Russ, Betsy's husband, had told Betsy not to bring her purse to chemo, which was like super weird because apparently Betsy lived out of her purse. We all know a girl like this who lives out of her purse. She's got everything in there, hand sanitizers. Shoot, she may even have some food in there, a couple of snacks, some candy, band-aids, who knows? <laughs> um, but we all know someone like that, whether it's our mom, a friend, a aunt, whoever. But um yeah, so it was it, that was just one odd thing that Pam remembered that Betsy didn't have her purse. Um at first Pam said that she didn't go inside but eventually she did go in and she noticed that uh, Betsy was turning on the hall light and then she said Betsy had walked all the way to one of the back rooms um, because she wanted to show Pam or uh, Pam Pam one of her uh, little jewelry boxes that Russ had just bought for her so she was just trying to show it off being like girl look what my man got me uh, <laughs> you know can't pass up opportunity to brag at least for some people but there's nothing wrong with that but as long as you're proud of it pam said that when she left she saw that betsy was snug sleeping laying down on her couch so just like any other day just chilling on the couch laying down and she said that she thinks that she may have still been on the couch but it would make sense that she walked her to the door i think that's an interesting thing like an interesting point or an interesting flag to um make a little star by just because I would assume that you would know whether or not someone walked you to the door or if they're on the couch um especially if that was like kind of like their last moments um but at the same time some people get a little um scatterbrained in situations such as this so can't really blame her for that um Pam basically called Betsy to tell her whenever she got back in her car and she got on the freeway she was like hey I'm almost home um and then she went on to correct herself and she was like oh I am home so 
that's another like conflicting thing because I'm like, you can't almost be home or be home. It's either your home. So, uh, a little shady right there. Cell phone records are going to show that when she called at 7.27 p.m. and was still in Troy, she said she had reached a fork in the road and had pulled over. So, I don't know if you guys are noticing, but the story is not adding up. She said that she called her when she was home. But then she also said she called her when she was almost home. And now she's saying that she pulled over and she called her. So, yeah. Take what you will with that. Pam says she waited, but Betsy didn't answer the phone, of course, because we're assuming by this time Betsy had already been killed. Um, when Pam reached home, she first called her son, who lived in a condo nearby, and then she once again texted Betsy, um, and then she said she started to become worried, and she also went on to say that Betsy was mad at her for not staying over. Um, but she knew that eventually Betsy would just kind of get over it. She also described her as having like flashes of temper, um, that she was like super concerned about Betsy's mental state. I don't think that's true. Just based off her personality. Um, yeah, she may have been going through some like really strenuous, um, you know, big moments of her life with the chemo and the cancer. But I don't think it would have changed her personality so much to the point where all of a sudden Pam is saying that, yeah, she was an angry person. A lot of people didn't know that. So I feel like she's just trying to like cast the blame on Pam almost, which I really don't like that. But, you know, it was whatever. Uh, the next day, apparently Pam said that she was going to text up Betsy and ask her like you know whether or not she felt like the chemo was working um Betsy's mother also tried to call Betsy but she got no answer so then um after you know talking to her son and then I'm assuming she talked to Betsy's mom or someone um she just decided to go to bed of course as we know an investigation was going on so the detectives pretty much just jotted down this information to have and also to kind of cross-check Pam's version of the story with what actually happened um, in the real story. <laughs> um, Mark said that he had been alone on the 27th and apparently Pam had called to let him know that she arrived at Betsy. His cell phone was out in his truck and basically Pam just did the rest of the talking telling the detectives that Betsy had been afraid of Russ, that he was a huge drinker. He was a huge drinker, but he was at his mother's house playing board games. And he was playing with a... I just don't get it. Okay, anyway, she was really, like, talking it up here. Um, apparently, Russ had given her a cloudy Gatorade for a workout, and that it had smelled terrible, and she spat it out. Why is that important? I'm assuming it was, like, pre-workout in there, so that's, like, nothing surprising on that part. Maybe that's why it was cloudy. Was she trying to say that Russ was trying to drug her? Because I don't think, I'm not going to say what I'm going to say, but I don't think Pam was his type. Um, yeah, she said she sped it out. She said that he was apparently degrading to Betsy and kept talking about how much money he'd get when she died. Pam would go on to say that the 
next Thursday, the upcoming, or not the next upcoming Thursday, but the previous Thursday, um, Betsy said that she had written an email to Pam describing how scared she was of Russ. We have no evidence of this email, y'all. It is nowhere to be found. Pam is lying out of her behind. Um, she said that Russ had put a pillow over Betsy's face and said that Betsy felt like she was going to die. Pam said she never received the email, so she tried to print it out but couldn't connect Pam's old printer to Betsy's laptop. Lies, 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 lie, lie after lie after lie after lie. I'm tired of this lady. But anyway, Pam eventually, and like how we all know most killers are in situations as this, she urged the police several times to look for that email and then swiftly corrected herself document. Is it an email or is it a document? It can't be both. And most of the time, in situations where you're searching on your laptop, unless you're like real tech savvy and stuff like that, none of that information is just going to wipe away for the everyday common person. And I'm assuming these ladies, not saying that, you know, they can't be tech savvy, but I'm assuming in their age that this is probably something that they're not familiar with doing. So, sus. On August 16th, 2016, you guys, and this is probably five years now after Betsy's death, Pam would end up in her own little situation. Pam shot and killed a man she accused of being a home invader. She had called 911 to say that this man, Louis Guppenberger, was breaking into her home and that she needed help before she shot him. In a Dateline report on the case, it was revealed that Pam claimed that Guppenberger had forced his way into her car and had demanded Russ's money, which was a reference to the 150000 payout Pam received as being the beneficiary of Betsy's life insurance. Duly note this, you guys. Like, really note this part. Pam became the beneficiary of Betsy's life insurance four days before her death. And before that, uh, Betsy's husband was her beneficiary. Why would you change that? There ain't no way in this world that I would change that. I think she just took advantage of Betsy being sick during this time. But hey, it's just, I don't know. Uh, apparently she trusted Pam to put it in a trust for her daughter which I'm guaranteeing Pam did not do that Pam would go on to tell police that Guppenberger had forced his way into her car while she was sitting in her driveway she claimed that he had a knife and that he told her that they need to go to the bank in order to get the cash Cash. she went on to tell the police that she had to knock the knife out of his hand and ran into her house where Eventually, Guppenberger or Lewis had followed her and he had shot him. Now, this is this is where it gets crazy. The police investigated it, of course, and they found a note in Lewis's pocket that said that he should kill Pam and to make it look like Betsy. So... In the case that we think that this person is Pam, who's setting this all up, not only is she finding a way for someone to take the fall for Betsy's death, but she's also saying that he did this to himself, or that, you know, she can't take the fall for his death. But anyways, the police will also find a $100 bill in his pocket, and it just so happened to be 
another $100 bill that was in Pam's bedside, and its serial number was the next sequence to the nine notes found on Lewis. That's impossible. Let me tell you why. Because if they got this money out of a bank, and I'm not assuming how ATM works, but there's only so many ways that can happen as to where a $100 bill ends up being the next one in the sequence. As if it's from the same batch, which is how police officers catch other criminals when they mark the money. Y'all know all that riffraff. But yeah, that's a huge coincidence. Big coincidence. Before Lewis's death, Pam, six days before this, had impersonated a Dateline producer and had offered $1,000 to a woman named Carol Alford for her to reenact a 911 phone call for the show. The woman refused to do so because who wouldn't? Uh, the reenactment <laughs> and she basically contacted the police at the time. <laughs> oh gee, I'm just, this is just really making me leak. I'm sorry y'all. Um, Carol would eventually end up being called in by the police after Lewis's death and she identified Pam as being the woman who approached her. The security cameras at her home also caught Pam's car on her camera. So he was caught in the mix, Pam Pam. <laughs> Pam also learned that Lewis had suffered a brain injury during a motorbike accident years ago before his death, which basically left him being mentally disabled um, and physically incapable of what Pam had accused him of. Thank you. Finally, finally, we're connecting the dots. We're using our brains. We're being geniuses here instead of being slowpokes. Um, and also, apparently at this time, his mother also reported Lewis as being missing. So as we can tell, this is an individual who needs his family's supervision. He's not going to be out here trying to stab people and steal. You know? So I'm glad. She, she's getting caught up. She's getting caught up. And I'm glad it's happening. Uh, during their investigation, police used data from Pam's phone to learn the location Pam had been in in the days leading to Lewis's death. On the day itself, she visited his apartment complex, revealing how the two first came into contact. The police um, investigated all the CCTV footage because apparently they had a bunch of those cameras around. Uh, and they could find from the area around the time Pam's phone was located near Lewis's home. Um, although none of the cameras... I mean, not none, but at least one of the cameras placed between his house and hers showed that Pam's car was at his house. Thankfully, you guys, in 2019, so now we're like eight years at this point, Pam would be charged with the killing of Guppenberger, which is basically, I think, like a week after his death. Um, and while she was in custody, she attempted to kill herself, but she failed. Good. I'm glad she failed. People like this... They deserve to live out. I feel like that is a good enough punishment. They deserve to live out the rest of their lives in prison for doing such a crime as this. On July 19th, 2019, Pam entered a uh, plea uh, for the Lewis Guppenberger case murder trial, which allowed her to avoid the death penalty. I feel like that shouldn't have even been offered in the first place. But, um... The Alfred plea allowed her to admit to the police that they had enough evidence against her to find her guilty of the crime, but she didn't admit guilt to the act itself. 
which I've never heard of this until now. So that's a very interesting case. I'll read up more on that later. Um, she was sentenced to life in prison and she is now serving her time in Chillicothe Correctional Center in Missouri. And all you guys, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, you can come in, come in my comments and be like, Chillicothe, Chillicothe, Chillicothe. Because I don't know how else to pronounce that. I ain't never seen that. Ten years later, you guys, almost ten years later, a year ago, on July 12th, 2021, Pam would be charged with first degree murder of Betsy Feria. Betsy Ferrier's murder after the case was reopened and like I said this was just last year so now the trial is apparently still going on Pam has of course denied multiple times that she had any involvement in Betsy's death and she pled not guilty but I think at this point she just need to go ahead and just plead out again because I mean she ain't getting out no time soon in a press conference with Lincoln County Prosecutor Mike Wood, he would go on to state that they are seeking the death penalty in this case. Um, he did not. He does not take it lightly, the decision to pursue the death penalty, but this case stands alone in his heinous and depravity such that it shocks the conscience. So, <laughs> your girl Pam Pam going to jail, okay? She's going to jail. She's going to jail. And I don't know, it's just really sad at the fact that back in her own best friend's murder trial, you're the star witness. So you're just up there lying. You're you're committing perjury. So I don't see how they didn't add that onto her thing, but maybe that that'll that'll be added on into this new trial that's still like basically ongoing but i don't know that just didn't make sense to me how she was in charge with that to go on from that you guys we got another murder that is not the only there's it's just not just two okay apparently apparently and this is just crazy timing two years after betsy's death pam's mother would mysteriously die on halloween at a senior center apartment days before russ Ferrier went on trial which was the first time he went on trial for Betsy's murder. A lot of people say the timing is a little bit odd. <laughs> and um, how could a woman with Alzheimer's fall through um, a third floor balcony? I, unless she was pushed by her own daughter. Um, a woman who just been out of the hospital and was last seen, of course, by our girl, truly Pam Pam. Um, and according to Pam, that same woman, her mother, was planning to leave her $500,000. So at this point, y'all, let me just say this. Pam, she out here getting greedy. She's gotten $150,000. She's gotten $500,000. So that's all together $650,000 she's gotten from these policies. Yeah, she got greedy at the end. Um, and all that's just sad. It's really sad unfortunately what's happened but i'm glad that they have caught her um i hope that she does own up to it but i really doubt that she'll own up to it anytime soon um and the fact that it just took so long for them to charge her in this case with um betsy's death it took 10 years and i'm guessing like after the death of lewis i guess they just kind of had more motive to like reopen the case and to see what's going on because i guess it was just kind of like making sense none of her stories were adding up and also i just don't see how that happened with russ being charged they have they had no evidence so once he asked that i don't know what crack the jury was on but they were definitely out here believing pam's little sob story but you guys 
that's the end of part two that's all that i have for this series um i hope you guys enjoyed it i love telling you guys about it and you know i love all you beautiful people i love all you beautiful soul you guys um thank you for sticking with me these past two episodes of the part one and part two of the pamela hub story you guys should definitely check out um a show on hulu uh, i think it's called the thing about pam it's about her life just a reenactment and i think it's like renee zellweger zellweger don't know how to pronounce it but yeah i think that's how you pronounce her name um it's a basically a hulu show on pam's life the story the trials um and i think it got some really good views i think it got like four out of five on Rotten tomatoes so it might it may not be too bad um but yeah you guys you know you can always catch today's episode on anchor spotify and apple Podcasts, or you can always follow me on instagram at simply ambivalent that's s-i-m-p-l-y underscore a-m-b-i-v-a-l-e-n-t i am your host arkia and i would like to say thank you for sticking with me through another episode of simply ambivalent i love all you beautiful souls and bye bye